I got really good at wearing a mask. And if you wear that mask for a long enough time, you lose your own identity somewhere along the way. I remember getting up and saying, just get me to the point where I can lay back down and go to sleep. I had always had some glimmer of hope, but there was a point where that was gone. There is hope, and even when you don't feel like there is a way, God has a way to the other side. Dennis and I were married um, about 13 years ago. Actually, my oldest son introduced us. He's really a close friend of mine before I ever met Janine. And he came in with this pretty lady. and <laughs> Everything else is kind of history. So I came into the family with my other children. And Dennis brought Derek. I didn't know how I was going to feel, so I prayed hard. Janine just started praying that she would just have a mother's heart for him, and God gave it to her. He has this great laugh. You can't even replicate it, so precious, and we just have a great family. After that, we were uh, back in Minnesota, and I just got a phone call that they were looking for, for Derek. He never would have not picked up a phone. So I knew in my heart, but no one had told me that Derek was gone until that Thursday. The truth ended up coming out that it was, it was some people from Derek's past that he'd come back in contact with and they had uh, already taken Derek's life. It turns out he had already been been gone for a couple of days. Our lives were never the same. We went down our own paths. The, the road was pretty long for me. I was wearing that unforgiveness and that anger. It was something that changed me. I still didn't have the forgiveness in my heart that I, I wanted, and I was praying for it. And then just realizing that if uh, were for Jesus and His sacrifice, then no one would ever be forgiven. It's hard for me to just sit here and explain how huge it was because God just began changing my heart. He changed my heart for him, changed my heart for me, changed my heart for Dennis. He changed my heart for the people that had taken Derek's life. It was a year and a half after Derek died that they had everything they needed to bring the death penalty to them. It wasn't until the sentencing when I saw the people face to face that I realized God had really given me forgiveness for these people. And I felt this wave 
of compassion come over me that was so strong. Our immediate reaction was that we didn't want to see any more deaths. When I got up on the stand, I just had to tell them that there was another way, that they still had hope. And for the next however long it was, he began to preach the gospel and just talk about Jesus. And you don't understand in a situation like this what possible good could come out of it or how anything could ever be beautiful. But God can do anything. God can bring beauty from anything you may have been through. We learned how to forgive. And in that, we have a better family. We have better friendships. Our marriage was put back together. I want to say thank you to Dennis and Janine uh, for allowing uh, us to have a look inside their life and for being so vulnerable because out of something so tragic, out of something so bad, God is bringing some beauty. And uh, I think here at all of our campuses, we should show our appreciation and thankfulness that they're together and they're willing to be vulnerable like that. Can we say thank you to them? Thank you, guys. Only Jesus. I mean, he caught it there. He said, only Jesus. Only Jesus could. If it wasn't for Jesus, I don't know how we could forgive. I don't know how we could be brought back together. Only Jesus can get us to forgive. Only Jesus can hold us together. And in a world that's so torn apart, only Jesus. And um, in our lives, I believe crisis and conflicts, they're unavoidable. And although we may not experience the same pain they have, um, there's going to be crisis, there's going to be conflict, there's going to be fallout, there's going to be situations that will rock your world, and you're going to need Jesus. Jesus is going to have to be the bridge that gets you to healing, to wholeness, to unity, to forgiveness. And uh, in their life, they just are shouting it loud and clear, it was Jesus, it was Jesus, it was Jesus. And uh, the only thing I wish, I wish I could, I wish they would have recorded him preaching, because I would love to have heard it. Because there's a man that would have been preaching from his heart, pleading with the forgiveness and love of Jesus. And um, I know that the stats are exaggerated for couples that lose a, a child. They say that, you know, like 90% divorce, but it's not that high, but it is uh, an impact upon them. And I thank God that they overcame the odds and it was because of Jesus that they were able to stay together. And uh, I pray that you'll never experience anything as painful as they've experienced. But again, I will guarantee you, you're going to have crisis, you're going to have conflicts, you're going to have struggles, and you're going to have to cry out to Jesus. I, I'm just going to tell you again and again, without Jesus, you can't stay friends with some of the people in your life. Without Jesus, you cannot give forgiveness to people that have hurt you. Without Jesus, you can't work at the same job. Without Jesus, you can't get along. And we thank God that Jesus set the greatest example for us, and he gives us the strength. He does what only he can do in our life, and he gives us the strength in this area. And uh, Jesus is the bridge to forgiveness. Jesus is the bridge to unity, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus is the one that can take people on the 
opposite side of an issue, on the opposite side of life, so far away from each other and bring them back together in unity. And I'm looking forward to um, the next couple of weeks as we look at unity, authenticity, and then hope or, or just inspiration and hope. And uh, you may not know this, but these are values of our church. The four weeks that we're doing in this series are four values that I've said are part of our church. And um, just to back up, now that you know that they're values, Last week, we talked about uh, the presence of God. Jesus is the bridge that brings us into the presence of God. And one of our values is we want to bring people into the presence of God so they know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and are, are in the presence of God. And we want to have the presence of God in our worship services felt very clearly. But again, it's very clear. We want to bring people into the presence of God. That's a value. That's why we give altar calls and ask people to give their life to Jesus. And um, last week at Easter, we celebrated almost 14,000 people at River Valley at our eight campuses. And 678 people came into the presence of God. And I think we ought to celebrate that and say that's pretty amazing. Jesus became the bridge for them to have the presence of God. And uh, again, that's where it all starts. And once you make Jesus your Lord and Savior and you're in God's presence and you have that peace there, um, I'm just believing that you're on that journey to all the other things that will fall in place. And uh, I want to say this. I'm going to call an audible for all of our campus pastors. Um, we had 678 people give their life to Jesus Christ last weekend. And so I would like to see water baptisms at all of our campuses within the next four weeks. So campus pastors, there's your heads up. I just called an audible on you. And uh, you can yell at me at staff meeting. No, you can't. But uh, uh, it's, it's going to happen. And within the next four weeks, I want to see it happen. Here's what happened. 678 people had a private moment. They raised their hand. They looked up at the pastor. They said, include me in the prayer. They said a prayer. Jesus did a change on their inside. And they were brought into the presence of God, a relationship. And so that was a private, personal thing that happened. And once that happens, the Bible says, now go public with your faith and be water baptized. And water baptism is just an outward sign to the world saying, hey, something happened on the inside. And so you are water baptized. I won't go into all of it, but there's, there's a teaching that's online for that if you want to be water baptized. And we had 678 people that gave their life to Jesus. And I would love to see 800 people baptized. And you say, well, where are the extra people coming from? There's some people that are lagging behind right now in our congregation. You need to be water baptized. You know it. You know it. You know it. You know that you've, God's been saying, come on, make an outward declaration to the world that you gave your life to me. So we invite you to do that within the next four weeks. Pay attention at your campus. Don't ask your campus pastor today because they don't have a clue when they're going to schedule it. All right. But it's happening. And uh, I just celebrate new life. And we want to see you grow in your faith. And that's the next step. Jesus is the bridge that gets you into the presence of God. And Jesus is the bridge that gets us to unity. He's the one. He's the only one that can get us there. And Psalm 133 says this. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. I absolutely love that. We talked about unity two years ago in 2014. We did a series on unity. And if you want more than what we're even going to talk about today, there's a four-part series online. We go into all this. But I love the way the message says it. It says, How wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. I love that. And when I read the message translation and I read that verse, I just 
hear my dad's voice saying, you two better get along. How many are with me there? You're brothers and you better get along or I'll take you up back. And, and you know how many know where that's going right there, yeah. But I, I just, it's good, it's beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. Jesus prayed for unity. He's like, I made a way. I'm letting you know that I'm the bridge to unity. You don't have to do this on your own. I'm praying for you to be unified, to get along and to get together and to forgive and to be unified. In John 17, 21, he says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I believe this. I believe unity gives the message of Jesus a launching pad. I believe when we're unified, there's a, a launching pad that happens to the world. It, it propels the message of Jesus to the world when there's unity. He's like, I, I'm making a way so that you can be unified, so you can forgive, so you can reconcile, so you can be together. And he's saying, you know what, if you do that, I'll draw all men unto me. It's a launching pad. And I believe this, the enemy wants to tear apart families. He wants to tear apart neighborhoods. He, want to tear, he wants to tear apart the workplace. He wants to tear apart churches. Because anytime he does that, we're not launching the message of Jesus to the world. And um, if you know this about my preaching style, I love to illustrate things. I like to help you make the connection from the scriptures to uh, everyday life. And so I was praying for an example of Jesus, how does unity launch you to the world? And he gave me a cheerleading example of which I know nothing about. <laughs> but this is what I came up with. As I was praying about it, um, the Lord just said, you know, when, when you're unified, it's like launching me up in the air, like when they launch up a cheerleader. How many know when they have that blanket or that tarp or that whatever that is, I don't know what it's called, but it launches them, you know what I'm saying? And there's a, a bunch of people around the edge of it and they're all holding on to it. They put that poor little girl in there and her mom and dad start interceding, you know what I'm talking about? And like one, two, and three, and boom, they snap her up in the air and she goes up in the air and you're like, ah, ah, and then they catch her. But when she's up there, you're like, that's pretty amazing. And I had this picture that when we're unified, when the church is together, we're like one, two, three, and we're all in this together. We launch Jesus in the air and he's out there for the world to see. And we launch the message of Jesus in unity. And the problem is, I believe there's so many dysfunctional churches out there, dysfunctional Christians. We're not unified. We're like one, two, three, and we launch Jesus sideways, you know, and he's over there with a broken leg going, come on, church, you gotta launch me up, you know. Some churches are so dysfunctional, they won't even launch Jesus at all. I'm telling you what, we need, to, we need to lift up Jesus. It's the unity. It's the launching thing. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. In chapter 2, he says, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I've forgiven, if there's anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan may not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. And if you check it, he's saying, forgive, 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 forgive. He's saying it over and over again. He's saying, hey, come on, let's get together. You forgive so you can be unified again, so you can have that unity. And he says, you know what's happening? Every time you don't forgive and there's a breakdown and people are hating each other and there's not unity, the devil is, is running his play. And let's not be ignorant. The devil's plan is to break up families and to break up neighborhoods and break up places and break up schools and break up churches. And he's like, because when he does that, then Jesus is not lifted up and the church is limping along. And so he says, let's not be ignorant. Let's forgive. Let's pursue this unity. And I shared about this in the series in 2014. Um, there was a church that we were trying to get as a campus. 
Um, I won't go into all the details, but they were fighting with each other and suing. Two sides of the church were suing each other. It was up to like 800,000. Whoever paid the bill could have the church. It was really sad, and we didn't get it, but that was 2014, my example. And, it, and as I was looking through that old series, I was like, oh, yeah. And then I was realizing that today in Minnesota, we have a new example, and it's so sad. While I was on sabbatical, I, I saw the headlines. You know, I was reading the paper and reading online, staying in touch with Minnesota. And I saw that example. It said, North Heights Lutheran is a church torn apart. And I saw the article. And then it says, Deep Divide dooms one-time megachurch, North Heights Lutheran. A long-running schism proves fatal to North Heights. And I saw all these headlines, and I saw that over and over again. And I saw how... You know, when the world is looking at it, they're looking for the breakdown and they see the breakdown and they know that's not how it's supposed to be. And then that makes the front page. And I thought, why couldn't it make the front page that, you know, church has racial unity. Church brings two sides together. Church helps. And, and how beautiful the people that hated each other all of a sudden love each other because the church, but they pick up on this. And I see it as so sad that here's a church that was a launching pad, lifting up the name of Jesus. When I was growing up and, and starting out and pastoring here, I, I would see that church. I think maybe someday, maybe someday we could have a church as powerful and as effective as them. And then to see now it's two sides fighting and pursuing another. It looks like there's bankruptcy and all this. And I just see this. I say, we've got to protect the unity. We've got to protect the unity. And and I just want to let you know, if you're watching online or on TV when this goes out to broadcast or you're at one of our campuses, I want to say this right now. I use the examples of what's going on in the church, and it, and it pains me to do that. It pains me because I always I want the church to look so good, but this is a real-life example of what's going on where we've got to take a look at this. And I want to tell you this. Jesus is so much better than his people. Jesus is just so much better than what you'll ever find at River Valley or any church, whether it's in great unity or in a schism. Jesus is so much better. He takes imperfect people with all sorts of backgrounds and selfish ambition and pride and all these other things that interfere with our life. And he, and he forgives us. And then he puts us on mission together. And he tells us to do this, to be forgiving, but we don't always do it. And, and sometimes it ends in train wrecks. But I'm telling you this, Jesus is better than the people in his church. And if he can use messed up people like us, he can use messed up people like you, all right? And there's place for you. Um, but I want to do this. Here at all of our campuses, I want to just pray for North Heights Lutheran right now. And I want to pray for them. Um, it isn't over till it's over. And I want to pray right now for churches in general that they'll have unity. And then I want to pray for us to protect our unity at our church. This is a value. And you see the, the, I mean, you look at Dennis and Janine, they are lifting up the name of Jesus. What was, could be torn apart, all of a sudden is a launching pad for the beauty of Jesus. And I believe that should be the example in church after church after church. So I want us to pray right now for North Heights and any other church that's facing a fight right now. So Lord, we just come together in a church that has a strength of unity. We pray that you'd protect our unity, that we'd forgive, we'd be patient, we'd be long-suffering with each other. And we pray for North Heights Lutheran right now. 
We pray for them. Uh, it is so sad that it's in the paper, but we pray for a miracle until the time's up. We pray for a miracle that sides could come back together. Brother would forgive brother. Sister would forgive sister. Friends would be restored. And there'd be unity that would be brought back into the body of Christ. We pray right now that the, there could be a, a new story, a new chapter that could be written from the ashes that are there. There could be something that would rise up that the, the news would cover and say, look at the beauty that has come from this forest fire. That's a picture I have in my mind, Lord, of a, of a, of a terrible forest fire, but beauty emerging from it. And I pray that prophetically over their church, that beauty would rise up. I just see evergreen and beautiful things coming out of ashes, that there could be beauty coming out of this. And I pray for any other church that is facing uh, a struggle or a schism or a fight. Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name, they'd have unity, they'd forgive, they'd have long suffering, they'd pay attention to what they've heard in the word, they'd see the example of Jesus Christ and they would be unified. Lord, again, protect our unity, help North Heights and Lord Jesus, help your church to be unified and beautiful. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. I want you to know this is dear to me, dear to me. I've been through the first church I was a part of was multiple split after split after split after split. And I've seen the pain that it inflicts on the youth group and the kids and the families. I saw brother hate brother, and I don't want to see that anymore. The church needs to have this unity. It's a beautiful thing that lifts up the name of Jesus. And he's like, I'll draw the whole world if you'll lift me up. And I believe unity is that launching. We've got to protect that un unity. Now, Jesus is the bridge. Come on, we couldn't do it without him. We could not do it without him. He's the bridge to unity. And without him, we would be in trouble. Um, bringing up another example that's out there. How many know like the Democrats and the Republicans are both fighting? Like they each, their, their own party. You know, you got the Democrats fighting each other and you're a liar and you're this and the Republicans, they're a liar, this liar. Matter of fact, I'm working on a series for the fall uh, that's gonna be right around election time. It's gonna be called None of the Above. Um, that's my thought. Um, <laughs> we're gonna use that for our advantage, but uh, I'm just telling you, I'm watching this and I was talking to our boys, Connor and Logan, and I said, um, they'll probably go into some back room and make a deal. And they'll say like, I will pick you because I want to win. I don't like you. And, but we'll go out there and we'll pretend and somebody will make them make a deal like they like each other, all right? How many are glad that when God says, I'm the bridge to unity, he doesn't force us into a back room to make a deal, but he says, I'm going to help you to forgive one another. Not only are you going to forgive one another and be happy, you're going to love each other. I'm going to put a miracle power behind this and you're going to love one another and it's going to be incredible and the world will wonder what's going on because unity happens. And so uh, God is not saying make a deal. He's saying have unity, forgive, reconcile, love one another. And the reason that Jesus can say forgive one another is because he did it. He did it. Jesus is the bridge to forgiveness and unity. I mean, he's instructing his disciples, come on, love one another. Come on, the whole world's going to know that I'm the one if you love one another. He's, in, he's praying for us, for unity. He's praying, Lord, I'm praying not for them, but only for those, uh, not just for them, but for everybody. I want them to be one. I want to be, so Jesus is telling his disciples to be unified. He's praying for unity. He's saying, I'm the one that's going to make this possible. 
Not only does he do that, he gives us unity with God, which again, like the presence of God, he brings us into God's presence and we now are brought into the family of God. We're unified with God. And then he helps us to make peace between us and the rest of the world. I mean, you may not realize this. Prior to Jesus dying on the cross, um, religion seemed like a very hostile thing. Getting connected to God kind of had a little bit of hostility. Let me explain that. Some of you are like, where is he going with that? Um, prior to Jesus dying on the cross and making a way so that we could be forgiven in God's presence, they worshiped God in the temple in Jerusalem. And when they'd worship God in the temple, there were levels that you could go to, you know, ladies and men and Gentiles and, and Jewish people and then priests and the high priests. So there were levels and there was a, a wall that was there called the dividing wall of hostility. And it says in Ephesians 2.14, Paul's referencing this. He says, for he himself, speaking of Jesus, is our peace who's made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Okay, so there was a wall that was there about four to five feet tall and this wall of hostility had a sign on it and it said Gentiles can only go this far to worship God. If you go past this spot, we'll kill you. Welcome to church. <laughs> I mean, think about that. It's amazing the church grew. I mean, with Old Testament customs and that, I mean, the sign that is there, it's amazing that anything could even grow. And then when Jesus dies, it, Paul says he broke down the dividing wall of hostility. Gentiles and Jews are now going to get along. He, he tears the veil in two. For those of you who know the religious thing that happened when Jesus died on the cross, the veil that was separating the holy presence of God, the holy of holies, it was torn in two. He's like, guess what? I made a bridge to God. And then the walls turned out. He's like, guess what? I made a bridge for each other. You're, I'm the bridge to unity. Guess what? We're going to show the world that God is real because we have unity and we love one another. It's an amazing thing. Even in the cross, He's saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus is about forgiveness, unity, reconciliation. Even Peter, when he denies them, he goes and chases them down. He doesn't say, get out of here. He's like, come on, feed my lambs, feed my lambs, take care of them. I I've got a plan for you. I'm gonna restore things. I'm the bridge to unity. Wow, I think about that uh, modern day example. LA Lakers had a little betrayal in their locker room. Whole another story, won't go into the details, but they hate each other. A couple of the players hate each other now and it's this big deal. And I'm, I just put some humanity on it. Think of the disciples. Think of the disciples like, well, there's Peter, denier. You know, get him out of here. What's he doing? Tell him to go fishing. Get him out of here. He denied Christ. He, you know, the rest of us were scared to death, but he denied him. Get him out of here. And then Jesus goes and pulls him back in. That's the God we serve. I, I, I take the denier back in and say, come on, love me. Feed my sheep. Come on, the church is going to be built with a unified front. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's an absolutely gorgeous thing. And I thank God that he gives us the power to pursue this unity. Um, oh, man, I'm running out. I love what God's doing here. It's such a value. We have to protect our unity. Um, let me just say this and then get to five quick things. Um, our love for our family shows our love for our father. Our love for our family shows our love for our heavenly father. And when we have love for one another and we're unified and we're forgiving and reconciling and doing all we can, it shows our love for our father. 
And I think that's what's so beautiful. Like John, in 1 John, it says, how can you say you love God and then not love your brother? And if you do, you're really a liar. Come on, man, you gotta love God and love your brother. Our love for one another shows our love for the Father. And so at our church, let's protect our unity. Let's do all that we can. I wanna give you five quick things, very quick. I'll, I'll just blaze through these, all right? Number one, we have to have a strong desire to keep everyone together in unity. We have to. This church has to value unity. You have to fight for it. If you're gonna be, have unity in your family, your church, your workplace, wherever, you have to have a strong desire to keep the unity. You can't say, fine, get out of here. We don't need you. Yes, we do need them. And we have to have a strong desire to keep the unity. Secondly, we have to love the people that God has put in the church with us. We have to love them. We have to love them. How can we love them? Some practical ways. We can pray for them. We can help them. And under our breath, we can say, I love you, man. I think it'd be beautiful if every time we met somebody under our breath, don't, don't lip sync it, okay? Don't be like, don't do that, all right? Don't do that. <laughs> That'll just freak people out. But under your breath, just say, I love you, man. I love you. And I think if we do that, if we love the people God has put into our church, I believe that we will have that great unity. I think whenever we have a situation that brings a struggle, we need to pray for wisdom. The Bible tells us in James, if any of us lacks wisdom, let us ask God for wisdom. He'll give it to you in liberal doses, all right? We need to have wisdom. In the Old Testament, Solomon had wisdom. In the New Testament, uh, Paul is having wisdom with the ladies at Philippi, and I talk about in that series in 2014. We need to bring peace between people. That means you need to meddle. You need to be a peacemaker. You got to get in there. You're like, well, it's not me. I'm glad it's not me. You got to get in there and bring peace. You need to be a peacemaker. Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue peace with all people. Come on, referee it. Let's be a church that protects the unity. And then the last thing is be at peace with others. Romans 12, 18 says this, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. We got to do it. We've got to be at peace with others. Those quick things. I thank God for Dennis and Janine and for the testimony that they shared to say, man, something so tragic. We were able to forgive them, but we were able to come back together because how many know that unforgiveness towards other people on the outside can affect what's going on on the inside? And they were able to give that forgiveness and then let God bring them back together. And I thank God that their marriage is just a testimony that lifts up Jesus. And I want to say this. They're not the only ones. I believe there's other families. I believe there's other companies. I believe there's other schools. There's other businesses. There's other groups. I'm telling you, God wants to have that testimony again that will lift up the name of Jesus. We can't do it in our own strength. Jesus is the bridge to unity, and you're going to have to rely on him. And I want to pray for your family, your situation, um, your company, your person right now. So, Lord, I just pray right now for the people that are facing that struggle only through Jesus will they ever be able to forgive and have unity and have peace. But I pray that that unity would just be a launching pad to draw all men to you. They'd say, I can't believe that you could be friends. I can't believe that you could get along. I can't believe that that would happen. I can't believe that those two groups could mix together. I pray that the church would be instrumental in bringing sides together that are in hatred. I just pray that that would happen. I just pray that beauty would come from the unity that only you can give. You are the one that is the bridge to unity, and it's in your name that I pray this over every family, every company, every school, every situation, every racial issue, every struggle that's going on. 
Unity is so beautiful. You're the bridge to unity, God, and we trust you, Jesus. Help those of us that know you to be the people that bring peace and unity to the rest of this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen.